to support the show and join our patron community where you'll get extra access and exclusive content, visit us at patreon.com forward slash creatively Christian. Welcome to Creatively Christian, a podcast by Theophany Media, where we inspire, inform, educate, and empower creative Christians of all types. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Hollingsworth. On today's episode, contemporary artist Rochelle Kearns shares with Rachel how powerful it is to give space for God to speak by practicing personal disciplines. Hi there, and I'm here with Rochelle Kearns, who is a contemporary modern artist and is a lover of God and loves to paint the things that inspire her, especially the wonder at the beauty of God's nature. And I am a fan of Rochelle's. I've got some of her work and I am so honoured to have her here today with me. So hello, Rochelle. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. It's evening over here and daytime over with you, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it's yeah. lunchtime here. <laughs> I know, you've got lots of bright light coming through. I'm so jealous. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so I'm right, Rochelle. Sorry, I'm going to accidentally say Rachel because I'm Rachel. <laughs> but you are Rochelle. I used to want to be Rochelle when I was younger. <laughs> I used to make myself, you know, when you make your name more fancy than it really is. <laughs> Okay, I actually get called Rachel all the time, so no worries. <laughs> it's scary, but, you know, secretly I'd love to be a Rochelle. Um, so I'm just going to start asking you some questions about yourself. And mm. you're over in Seattle, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. So do you want to share a little bit about your faith and your creative upbringing with us? Yeah, I would, I would love to. Um I, what's interesting about my faith and my creative journey is that they're so intricately connected. Um, I've been a professional artist now for over 18 years. And despite the fact that it hasn't always been easy, um, I think like I loved every, I look back at it and I love every minute of the journey. Um, and I, like, I know that it's exactly what I'm meant to do. <laughs> it's really interesting to look back and it. And even just in sort of preparing for this interview, reflecting uh, on all that, I feel like I've learned and how I've grown spiritually, um, how that has directly influenced uh bodies of work and what I paint um and it's for me like when I look back on it now it almost reads like a diary so <laughs> that's awesome it's good it's good to reflect back isn't it and yes yeah got to join together yeah it's a yeah. great it's, it's a really good practice um but I grew up in uh in a Christian home and um I had my mom's dad so my opa uh he was a watercolor artist and he also was a stained glass artist and I remember watching him work uh I would just sit and he would be on his large table doing his watercolors and I was completely mesmerized oh. um our home was a very creative place too. Like I'm the third born of five girls. So I have four sisters and I'm the quintessential middle child. My sisters and I were always creating and making fun for ourselves. Um, it was just what we did. Uh, it's all that I knew. Um, 
I think I always knew that being an artist is something I wanted to do. Um, and it's interesting because just when I look back, I can see that I was affirmed by various teachers along the way. My mom actually showed recently showed me a picture that she had kept from when I was three years old. And it's this drawing of a helicopter. And it's fascinating to me because the I see the blades whirring like Definitely, I can see that even back then, I was interested in movement and like, and wind and just seeing that is it was fascinating. Um, Yeah, but, uh, you know, being raised in a Christian home, going to church and being uh, involved at church uh, was definitely a part of our family rhythm. Um, But in my early teens, I began to question my faith and definitely came to the conclusion that I wasn't interested in following a God that felt like just a bunch of rules to me. And that didn't intrigue me. (laughs) And so in my late teens, I actually rebelled and walked away from my faith. Um, And it's interesting because at this time, I actually began a part-time mural business And that actually helped me decide to pursue uh, fine art and art history studies at the University of Toronto. Um, And so although university was really great, I thoroughly enjoyed it. um, And I even received a few awards along the way. Um, At this point in my artistic journey and throughout my university career, I did not and had not discovered my artistic voice. So I was more just experimenting with a bunch of mediums and, you know, different things um, and graduated feeling unsure about pursuing art as a career. Um, At all of the art critiques that we would do, it was definitely drilled into my head that painting beautiful things for the sake of pursuing beauty wasn't necessarily good enough (laughs) and that's really all I wanted to do and so it like I didn't you know yeah that that's what really stirred my heart and that's what inspired me and so uh so I kind of graduated feeling like okay well maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to do um And at the same time, amazingly, like throughout that time at university, um, and despite my wandering heart spiritually, um, God relentlessly pursued me. Um, He would show himself up in my dreams. um, uh, And I definitely began to have like a, a, what I would consider to be finally like a real relationship with him, where talking with him and reading about him uh, became important. And uh, I couldn't deny that he was there and that he loved me. And, uh, and I couldn't deny how much I really needed him in my life. Oh, that's amazing that he still soon you after you felt, you know, you had some distance from him. And I love how he was turning up in your dreams. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, it's like his pursuit of me is something that I always come back to because I had not done anything to deserve that pursuit, for sure. (laughs) That's so amazing. So how are you inspired to develop the business that you are currently running? So because you're doing this fantastic work with your art um, and obviously you sell prints on your website yes and, yeah. and things like that so how did yeah. you 
I'm sorry. So such, I, I love telling this story. So thank you for offering me the opportunity. Um, upon graduating from university, uh, you know, like any good fine artist graduate, you end up in sales. <laughs> So I knew that I would be graduating without a quote unquote job, right? So, but the sales job was great and uh, it was actually, you know, stable. I, I did well at it um, and learned, I think looking back, I learned a lot of my business skills uh, during that time. Um, but I always questioned why I was there. Um, I think my, you know, God's big invitation in my life to take that leap of faith and pursue a career in fine art mm -hmm. uh, really came in a like dramatically unexpected way. Um, one of my sales clients that I had had a relationship with knew that I was an artist and he actually gave me the opportunity to create a pitch for a series of murals at two of their locations that they were renovating. And so um, I thought this was crazy because I knew that I was going up against um, a couple of design firms. Uh, and I really honestly, like my expectations were so low. I thought there's just no way that I'm going to get this. <laughs> but amazingly, they loved my ideas and they accepted my proposal. So I, yeah, I also think you should know that at this time, like, even though I am an artist and a dreamer, um, I think it's important to say that I'm, I'm very grounded and quite realistic and practical. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've been financially independent since I've been, I was 18. I paid my way through university. Um, you know, I was, I was living on my own by this point. And um, I think the amazing thing about this mural project was that it offered me the ability to be financially secure for two years. Um, and I knew that this was a huge grace-filled invitation from the Holy Spirit to just dive into the unknown and go for it. Um, and so, you know, at this point I was single, I had no kids, there was really like nothing holding me back. And so I did it. I quit my very stable sales job and, you know, dove in and began my career as a professional artist. Wow. Many, many people around me at that time thought that I was nuts. Um, you know, the, the mural project took about four months for me to complete. And so many questioned, like, why I wouldn't just take that money and just, you know, keep working in sales and just, you know, keep going. Um, but I, I just knew that this was it. If I was going to make a go for it, this, this was my moment. So from day one, I treated the business like a job. I, you know, had a schedule. I would paint from Monday to Thursday and then use my Fridays to do all my, you know, lovely admin work, applying to shows, you know, marketing, all that kind of stuff. gallery hopping I would do on Fridays. Uh, and these, the, the first two years of my career were so critical. <laughs> I, you know, going into the studio Monday through Thursday, I would paint for eight hours. Like I would do an eight hour paint day. And I like, that was so hard, like developing the muscle and the focus it takes to be like at doing that for eight hours. I had not done that before. So that all that took a lot of time. Um, and at this point still too, I hadn't found my voice. And so I was just, you know, I was painting, I was painting things that I loved. Um, but I also really felt, I think as most artists do when they're just starting out, 
like this need to prove myself. And so I definitely like, I, I thought the way to do that was with high realism. And so I had all of these works um, that basically I'd taken a series of photographs of a lot of my friends and myself, even with water being poured over my head, water being poured over hands, water being poured over feet. Um, and they were beautiful. I loved doing them. Um, and a gallery actually like accepted them and, and thought they were great too, but nothing sold. <laughs> nothing, nothing was resonating at that point. And I still even knew at that point that even though this was all good practice, it still wasn't like it, if that makes any sense. So yeah. As well, spiritually at this time too, um, in diving into the unknown, like my morning time with God um, became absolutely essential. Like it was during this time that I really be began to learn the art of being still and listening to him, creating space for him to speak. Um, and that's been such an essential part of my, my journey. Um, so I'll fast forward a bit. And, uh, you know, this was like well into the, the two years of, of, you know, financial security that I had. And one day I happened to be um, away for the weekend with a bunch of friends. And at, I was at my boyfriend's, uh, now my husband's, but at that time he was my boyfriend's, uh, my boyfriend's cottage. And I was on the dock and I was looking out at the water. It was a really cloudy day, um, but all of a sudden the clouds parted and the lights began to dance on the water. And I knew that this was it. <laughs> the Holy Spirit had revealed to me that, and, and in my personal study at the time, I had been studying the words mercy and mm -hmm. grace um, and things that I, I feel like words that we use um, in our language as Christians with one another. And I just think that they're so often misunderstood um, or not really, we don't really know what they mean. Mm -hmm. And so in my personal study, I had been really asking like, what does mercy look like? And uh, when I saw the light dancing on the water, that was it. I, I knew that the Holy Spirit was showing me that mercy is like light. It's everywhere it covers us. It's all around us. Um, without it, life would be very dark. And in my, like the depths of my spirit, um, Psalm 27 verse four kind of stood out to me, which says, you know, I was, I knew that I was like gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. And so it was kind of one of those moments where I was like, okay, I got to start like studying this. So I, you know, began to furiously look at and study light dancing on water. I took a ton of photos. Um, I started to notice the way that light moved and danced had a, a kind of pattern to it. Um, and I attempted to begin to paint it. <laughs> and three months later, uh, I took those first three Mercyscape paintings to an outdoor art show. And the beauty and also the curse of outdoor art shows is the fact that you get that, you know, public interacting with you and your work. Um, and it was really interesting to see what happened that weekend. I, I saw that people were resonating with the work. Um, 
I could feel that it was touching a nerve, um, people would stop and they would stare and some would gasp and then they'd come in and look close. And um, I just, you know, I feel like in, in our spiritual lives and how I knew God, like God is beautiful. And that beauty demands a response um, that is shaped by that beauty. And so I felt like this was the first time I had actually been able to capture uh, something so profoundly and deeply moving in my life um, and been able to put it on canvas. Um, and at the same time that I knew that these paintings started to resonate with the public, um, personally, these paintings were also like a soothing balm on my heart uh, that I still feel was mending from my rebellious youth. Um, I had a hunger for understanding his mercy um, and was at the same time hungry for his love and acceptance in my life. And each new Mercy Skate painting that I would paint was like a humbling and an amazing reminder of God's like great, great love for me and how he had so tenderly cared for me, even in my darkest, most rebellious moments. Mm. So this basically, you know, that show where I showed those three paintings, those, those three paintings sold that weekend, just like that. Wow. And um, at that point, you know, gallery interest, uh, people, you know, galleries were calling me and uh, the work just took off and it launched my career. The Mercyscape series launched my career. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah. so you're saying this outdoor exhibition using art that really resonated with yourself and came from a place of healing is what has sort of led to your career obviously it wasn't the whole thing but it sort of was the spark that set the whole thing off yes so. I and I, at this point too like I like I said I was really struggling with like I didn't think that I had earned the right to do abstract like it was like it's semi-representational right because when you look at the mercy skate pieces you kind of get the fact that it's light dancing on water so it's not totally abstract but still I just there was there's something about it that almost felt too simple for me like I was mm -hmm. like it's, doesn't it need to be like hard <laughs> and like yeah, yeah. really difficult you know and that's where the high realism I thought that's what I needed to do so mm -hmm. the fact that but but yet always even when I go to you know, like anywhere I go in galleries and stuff abstract art is always the stuff that moves me that I love like I've always loved it um, but I just didn't think that I had earned the right to do that oh, that's really, why do you think that is then is there like a different because I'm I'm more of a, a prophetic artist with a psychology background. So I'm not, I don't call myself a professional artist as such, but I do, I'm an artist. But I obviously haven't gone through the art education like you have gone to art school or art college or whatever it is. So is there this like difference between the abstract artist and the fine artist? Is there like this? Probably. I like, I think, yeah, I probably it's, 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 I feel like more often than not, especially in my early years, it was definitely imposter syndrome too. Like that, yeah, yeah. you can't do this. This is never going to work out. Like there's no yeah. way you're going to be able to create anything that resonates, but there was so like this whole journey of like, 
painting and painting and and not getting anywhere basically for those two years like having a lot of rejection you know zero sales and but yet at the same time my spiritual life felt on fire because I felt like I was I was really hearing from him and seeking his inspiration and like like needing it you know really needing it and then when this happened that was like yes like everything in me was just like yes this is this is it and so and then having it be received by the public was just so it was full circle right like it was just one of those moments where I was yeah. like this is it and and that you know that's how the circle kind of became my voice as well like what which I didn't know because I remember thinking in the beginning like okay, I've done 10 paintings of this, like, am I still going to like this? Like a hundred paintings in, you know, 200 paintings in. (laughs) I painted over a thousand Mercy Skate paintings. (laughs) And I still love it. Like I, every single one is a joy for me to paint. And so that to me is the true test of, of something Mm -hmm. that really, you know, I feel like is not only coming from uh, just a deep, it's, yeah it's it's who I am it's what yeah. I meant to do. yeah so you found your place in doing abstract art just through your journey with God um, yeah and God used that to touch me deeply and give me a confidence I feel like in my work that you know I definitely didn't have in those mm-hmm. early years <laughs> yeah. oh for sure well I think that's amazing I think abstract art does take a lot of confidence because you are doing something that isn't representational necessarily and that takes a lot of courage because you don't know how it's going to be received whereas if something's representational and it looks like something people can go oh yes that looks like that and yes right. they've done a very good job right <laughs> you know? I feel like my work though kind of vacillates between the two like that the mercy scape is definitely it it you do see kind of the, the light dancing on water you kind of get it but then the breakthrough series, which is basically just circles covering the entire canvas, yeah. is very abstract. Like that's not, there's no real, you know, representation in there. But then the, you know, the light series, which is the chandeliers, you look at it and you know it's a chandelier. But at the same time, you're like, I've never seen a chandelier like that before. Like it's definitely yeah. imagined. Um, which I love, like I I love playing with that kind of real and imagined kind of like, you know, I really love playing with like, you know, in in spiritual terms, we talk about like seeing the unseen, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that is kind of what I really love to like, there's a push pull in my work that I really love playing with that. That's really fun for me. Definitely. Yeah, no. And I think the spirit realm is like bubbles and like you know (laughs) I just think it is I just think well the reality in which we see things isn't representational at all is it right right (laughs) totally but anyway so tell me specific lifestyle habits that you practice ensuring that you stay in good mental spiritual and creative health right Michelle yeah yeah this has been a huge journey for me too I um in the early years of my art practice um definitely the focus I'm an Enneagram three you know so I don't know if you know anything about the Enneagram thing but definitely like focusing on goals and achievements was more my like main priority but I think slowly and especially after becoming a mother um 
and getting married and having two kids, uh, that had a huge impact on, on all of that for me. And the emphasis on goals and achievements, I think, really shifted to a focus on rhythms and disciplines, um, daily rhythms, body rhythms, creative rhythms, like seasonal rhythms, school year rhythms, like all that stuff became really important for me to pay attention to because no longer was it just me, myself, and I in a, you know, happily skipping to the studio every day and painting for eight hours, you know, life got really full, right? Yeah. <laughs> With a lot of responsibilities. And so being able to understand that I had to pay attention to, you know, when, when uh, the timing of those things and how that would work out in my, you know, uh, in my art practice. And so I wanted to, you know, honor my, my husband and my kids uh, in also in my, you know, paint practice. Um, and when I paid attention to the rhythms, uh, I feel like everything started to work together in harmony. Um, and so I kind of created my schedule around those rhythms. And so the more that I worked through that, I feel like the more that I have experienced joy and peace uh, and even like more being able to be present in the moment. Um, I think like I think for some people, for example, I think they can be like night people and, you know, like where like that's their best time to paint. And I, I really think that we need to honor those those times like we need to understand how we work um, and when we work best and and then being able to like create a calendar and a schedule that really works that in with all the other responsibilities that you have and I've said this often before but like I'm way more about the importance of discipline than I am about motivation I think motivation will come and go that's not always going to be there but the discipline of like because you have that set aside time to go in the studio for that, you know, five hours or whatever it is, doing that, even when you don't feel like it becomes so important. (laughs) So for me as well, to be healthy in all of that too, over the years, I've learned, I have like five non-negotiables in my day that, and it literally is a daily thing. So (laughs) I, for me, it's reading my Bible and praying first thing in the morning. And that, that was really hard in like the newborn baby phase, definitely really hard. So I wasn't consistent at it then, but I worked hard at making it consistent now. Um, working out every day is super important. My, like my job is incredibly physical. Um, you just have to watch some of my Instagram videos to see like just how physical it is. Uh, so staying fit and strong and working out has become really important to me so that I can do this, you know, forever. Um, and then eating clean definitely has had uh, an impact on my things. It's more just like energy and stuff like that. And then kind of the elusive one that I've figured out in the last few years is um, taking moments of pause. And this one's really critical because it's what fuels my ability to experience wonder and it's in that those moments of wonder that I feel like God sparks that inspiration for the the work that you know he's asking me to do um when any one of those things is missing from my life or I'm consistently neglecting it or forgetting about it 
I, like that's my red flag. I know I'm on a slippery slope that something's going to go wrong. Something's going to break <laughs> or, you know, or it's the fact that the journey would be all of a sudden become joyless, you know, then all of a sudden it's just like, it becomes just, you know, going about the routines of your day without experiencing that joy. Um, I'm definitely a better wife and a mom when I exercise and have the discipline needed to get up and read my Bible and pray before the day starts. Um, I definitely am more creative and have better creative flow when I'm sleeping well and getting to bed by 10 p.m. every night. Um, disciplined. <laughs> it is, there's definitely a discipline that's needed. Um, yeah, I think it's John Mark Comer. Have you heard of him? he's like a pastor here in, in Portland actually and he's he's written some stuff that I've really enjoyed but he had a, he had a saying he said in the end your life is no more than the sum of what you gave your attention to yeah I think it's a really interesting statement because I always kind of thought that time was really important making sure you have time for all those things but really it is about what you're giving your attention to. And so, um, yeah, I feel like after recalibrating my focus on rhythms and discipline, I see that attention is more, you know, of an accurate measurement. Um, and definitely like, I know after, you know, doing this for so long now that my best work Mm -hmm. comes out of periods of rest. Like when I'm, making sure to have rest in, you know, inserted into my week, into my month, into each season, uh, knowing that as well, um, really helps attention usually leads to moments of wonder, which leads to joy. And that's sort of the, you know, the, the linear rhythm of my, you know, creative path. Fantastic. Yeah, no, I definitely believe rest is like, essential and I think if we don't make time for it it'll catch up with you at some point in terms of exhaustion or ill health yes kind of thing so it's kind of a necessary thing because I think that's something I've learned because I've had a lot of burnout in my life I think it's because I used to always push through just keep pushing through Mm -hmm. and it's not sustainable you can't keep and I think as well um we flourish more when we do rest and that's when God can speak to us isn't it it create that space for him to download his stuff yeah I feel like we're so often told like hustle 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 and that's what you know will make things successful and it's really been a you know I've had to it's a mind warp for me but I have to constantly remember that no like my best stuff comes out of you know rest it's when I stop that that's when my best work is is right there it's so hard to do though because I think a lot of the struggle with rest because we feel guilty and I Mm -hmm. think when we do stop it's very hard because a lot of the stuff we've been ignoring or pushing down starts to come up doesn't it and it's like I don't want to think about that or deal with that and if I rest I'm going to have to process that and we often create busyness don't we so we don't have to totally or for me it it really took the time like I would serve 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 and then just be so like I had nothing left you know like there was nothing left and life demanded that but I had to get like I had to remember that no it's actually when I'm you know taking care 
of my own spiritual health, my own emotional health, my own physical health, that I'm actually going to be able to serve with joy. And that's, that's what the kids want. They don't want, you know, a mom that's serving out of, you know, an empty bucket. That's just yeah, no fun yeah, for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so what up and coming projects have you got coming through that you're excited yeah. about? So this is it's a really exciting year. Um yeah, it's it's yeah, my year is basically it's booked already, which is kind of fun. But um I yeah, i I'm really excited to be doing this extremely large four-tiered painting for um it's a new cruise ship it's actually in the UK um that they're right now um and I was one of 60 artists that were commissioned from around the world to do artwork for this ship um and it's like so one of the pieces is like 17 feet long so (laughs) and I don't know like for me, um, I know many artists are different in this, but the bigger I go, the more excited I get, the more giddy I am. I so, love you, yeah. <laughs> so giddy, like I know a lot of artists that are like, I can only handle like 12 by 12 inches. That's it. That's all I can handle. But for me, the, the bigger that I go, I feel like I'm given the freedom to say more right. things. And so that's like, it's a really fun project that I'm looking at doing. Um, There's another project for a women's hospital in Houston uh, that I'm going to be doing. That's an extremely large um, bloom from my bloom series. Uh, So really colorful. um, And it's like these big blooms that are all painted with circles. Um, And so, yeah, so yeah, there's a lot of fun projects on on the, the horizon for this year, but those are a couple of them. Fantastic. And if there's one tip that you could provide our listeners with on how to develop their art business, what would you say? The best advice I've ever received, and I sought this out from artists that I respected way back when in the day when I was just starting out, the best uh, advice I received was paint, 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 and then paint some more, (laughs) and then paint some more. And you know, if you end up getting sick of it, then maybe it's not what you're meant to do. But if it actually draws you in and you want to keep going, then yeah, then maybe it's what you're meant to do. So I really think that there is something to uh, to just continuing. You have to work at it in order to get better. I, I will remind you, like, in, as I was saying, it took me two years of fumbling around work painting eight hours a day, four days a week to be able to find my voice but like it, it took a long time and a lot of moving paint around in order to actually find it and I just I think the best way to get there is just yeah keep painting yeah and I guess what you're saying you need to find your voice you need to find your style and then once you find that that's what really makes the big difference in terms of your sellability as an artist is that what you're right. saying Yes, I do think your style can change and evolve. Um, and it can be, I think it's very, I think it's amazing artists that are out there doing things that are completely different from one another that can work too. Um, so I don't think there's just one way. But I think there is something about um, mastering your craft that really only comes with time, um, time spent doing it. 
uh, it's really hard to be really, really good at something when you haven't spent a lot of time doing it. And so that's why I think it's just so hard in the beginning. It's because you just haven't spent a lot of time doing it. And I, I had this incredible, you know, opportunity to, you know, really dive in and paint full time for two years before I even got anywhere, you know, so um, that it just, t- it just took me a ton of time. And I don't think I would have been able to get there had I not had that space and time to do so. So. Oh, fantastic. So how can our listeners connect with you? Yeah, so they can uh, go on my website, which is just my name, so RochelleCairns.com. Um, Instagram is great. Uh, my handle is Rochelle underscore Cairns. Uh, I regularly am on Instagram, although I haven't been in the last like month or so. Um, sorry. It's just that we bought a home and my life is really crazy right now. But um, uh, so when life gets crazy, Instagram kind of gets put to the side. But Pinterest, which is um, at Rochelle Cairns Fine Art, um, or you can always email me, which is rochelle.cairns at outlook.com. Fantastic. Okay. So have you got any books that you particularly find interesting or inspiring at the moment? Yeah, this was a great question. Um, Here's some of my top like ones that have really helped me along in my journey. Um, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. It's, you know, it's a classic, but it's really, really good uh, in developing that discipline needed uh, and really making space, I think, for creativity to flourish. Um, Scribbling in the Sand by Michael Card. Again, that's a classic. A really old one, but um, but Michael Card does a really great job of helping. I feel like artists understand purpose and identity. Um, and then a really new one actually um, is from Makoto Fujimura, uh, "The Art and Faith." Uh, it's heavy theology, but it's really really good. Um, and then the other one from uh, that pastor that I was talking about, John Mark Comer, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I think in, in figuring out our daily rhythms of life, I feel like it's a really good one that helps us question why, why we're doing what we're doing and what, what our calendars look like currently and what, what maybe we need to drop <laughs> in order to yeah. create space. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's phenomenal, Rachel. Well, that's great you've given all these books as well which <laughs> I finished reading my other pile I will definitely <laughs> um yeah no I think I definitely cutting back on social media media is definitely freeing up a bit of time for me anyway yes. so yes. yeah oh okay so I'm just gonna pray for you oh thank you and, um yeah we'll just end the podcast after that so just going to pray right now and I just declare Father God um, a blessing over Rochelle right now and we just thank you for your work in her life and that you have inspired her and spoken to her and she's heard you and responded to that voice and we just thank you for the gift of art in Rochelle and we just ask that you bless her work and that wherever she goes and wherever her art goes that that art will speak to people on a deep and meaningful level like a healing and anointing level where people just feel so touched and can see a part of you father god and we just ask this now over over her family for them to be protected 
and provided for and that her work will continue and flourish in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You are very welcome. And thank you so much for your time, Rochelle. It's been an absolute privilege. Well, it's been great to chat with you, Rachel. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. To see the resources mentioned in the episode, you can head over to theophanymedia.com forward slash Rochelle. Creatively Christian is a product of Theophany Media. You can find out more at theophanymedia.com. This show is hosted by Brandon Hollingsworth, Andrea Sandifer, Dave Ebert, and Rachel Oxborough. Our logo is by Bill Brooks. Bill Brooks and Andrea Sandifer did our music. And Jake Doberins produces and edits the show.